Welcome to this talk from the Canon Do Zen Meditation Center. Located in Mountain View, California, Canon Do's meditation practice is open to the public. For more information or to get in touch with us, you can visit our website at canondo.org. That's K A N N O N D O.org. Good evening, everyone. Happy to be with you. Happy to share some time with old friends and longtime practitioners at Conan Doe. I often uh, think about our founder, Suzuki Roshi. I think about how fortunate I was to know him for a short time and what an impact he made on, on people's lives. How uh, people were able to see things more clearly and with a, a fresher perspective just by being with him and practicing his way. Uh, Roshi was a genius in the way that he brought the ancient teachings of Buddhism and of Zen practice into today's world in a language and metaphors that he used that we can easily relate to. And the one that always comes to mind for me and perhaps for you too uh, is the lecture in, in Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind, where he said, I discovered that it is necessary, absolutely necessary to believe in nothing. That is, we have to believe in something which has no form and no color, something which exists before all forms and color appear. In modern language, we might say what, what Suzuki Roshi is talking about, you have to always start from scratch. You always have to be at the beginning even before there is a beginning. In other words, we have to always be ready to begin fresh. To begin from a place where there are no attachments to beliefs or ideas about ourselves, And then we will always be composed and ready. Difficulties will appear in our life continuously. There's no getting away from that. And every day we have many, many things that we are responsible for and we had to have to take care of. But in our practice, the problems that we face in our daily life become the foundation of our spiritual life. When the mind becomes ready and is in composure, and then we can see things and appearances clearly. At the same time, when we practice and we see 
everything in our life, including our difficulties and problems, if we are in practice, we can feel the depth and the stillness. And despite the difficulties, everything in daily life appears within stillness. That is one of the meanings of Suzuki Roshi saying, it is absolutely necessary to believe in nothing. Zazen brings us to stillness and shows us what stillness is. Without Zazen and without stillness, everyday activities become troublesome problems. But with Zazen, we return to our inherent composure. Suzuki Roshi always emphasized that we need to make each effort from the basis of our original nature, which is how we start from scratch. You know, for example, a good woodcarver knows the nature of wood before he or she picks up the carving tool. A calligrapher makes his or her own ink. A painter knows the nature of the paper and the paint before picking up a brush. And the potter knows the nature of the clay. This is the meaning of starting from scratch. Everybody likes to cook. If you had the time, you could spend your entire day watching t cooking shows on television or reading the numerous cookbooks that are published each year. We like to cook because cooking gives us the feeling that we are starting from scratch. For example, when you make bread, when you make bread by hand, rather than buy it from a bakery, and many of you I know enjoy making bread by hand, when you make bread by hand, you are imparting a special quality to the bread. It's the effort you make. When we start from scratch, we don't worry about the end result. We just make bread. We just, we simply take care of each step one by one. To take care, for those of you that like to garden and spend some time in the garden, you know that if you want to take care of your rose garden, you need to know the nature of roses. 
if you're working in the rose garden and you get caught up in the thorns, it means you have not been paying careful attention to the nature of the roses. But the thorns, if we let them, the thorns can teach us how to pay attention and to return to a ready mind so that we can start from scratch and not get scratched. So to start from scratch, you need to know the nature of things. And you need to know the nature of yourself and of your life. Then you can do things without distraction. And that includes doing even quite difficult things. Or even when difficulty arises, if you start from scratch, you will still feel the inherent calmness of your existence and the difficulty that you have to take care of helps understand the calmness and helps understand ourself. In the same way that the cloud helps us appreciate the mountain or the thorn helps us appreciate the rose. There is no need to build up some kind of mental structure. Suzuki Roshi warns us about that. There is no need to create a belief system in order to appreciate life and feel the joy of existence. If we try to build a structure in our mind we become very concerned about keeping it and maintaining it. And then we are always trying to keep it from collapsing and we are continually defending it. But this belief system will change anyway, despite our effort. And that will cause us to be angry and to suffer Much of humanity's problems over the centuries and today are created by people maintaining their own belief systems and then clashing with each other about which one is right. So Suzuki Roshi says, it's absolutely necessary to believe in nothing. If someone says to us, you are a fool, it's possible that we will become angry because we are trying to maintain a structure in our mind. We are trying to keep 
a mental image, a mental image of ourself, and we feel this other person has attacked it and attacked us. But through our practice, we recognize that the fault is ours. We created the condition for our own difficulty by clinging to a belief system or some kind of structure that we have created in our mind. So we should not try to build a temple in our mind. If you discover that you've been doing that, you simply let it fall down and just sit. Then you will discover that no structure is needed. No structure is needed in our mind because the world that we live in, the entire world is a temple. Every activity is a religious activity, part of our spiritual practice. When we see these activities through the eyes of Zazen, Inherent calmness and spiritual activity are always present. They never, un, they never end. They are beyond coming and going. So we say that ordinary activities come and go, but we ourselves should not come and go. We should always be here, ready to begin. Always ready to start from scratch and not get carried away by the changing everyday world. When we relate to our ordinary activities through our practice, and through Zazen, we find that stillness should be the basis for our activities. Then our activities can benefit everyone. And we can see our own attachments. And by seeing them, we come to understand who we are and what we are doing. So when we do something with the spirit of Zazen, our mistakes will help us. And as Suzuki Roshi said, for Zen students, a weed is a treasure. Without our practice, we can become carried away by what we believe 
or by some exciting activity. And this will lead to the stubbornness of our mind. And then we will never know what we are doing with our life, even though we may be convinced that we know what we are doing. When we have an intuition, a subtle intuition of the universal nature of things, then we will give up the idea that my way is the correct way. And then you will look for a life and a practice that is not limited by attachment. I believe that most people come to Zen practice or interested in Zen practice because they have become tired of being carried away by worldly confusion. A big problem for us human beings is the idea of privilege that in some way we feel entitled to something. If we persist in the belief that we are entitled and that we deserve privileges, life will become unsatisfying because we will become attached to a personal ideal and insist on a particular way of life. Trying to maintain a privilege, we have no chance for peace of mind and no chance for understanding. As Suzuki Roshi said, or try to make us understand, the best thing we can do is give up special ideas about ourselves. And not worry about privileges. Then we have a chance to know who we are in this world instead of trying to be a caricature of an ideal. So he said, absolutely necessary to believe in nothing. Doing something in life almost always has two sides. A plus and a minus. When we do something that we feel is creative, we feel it is a plus. It has benefits and it has advantages. And we get very excited about this positive side. 
and become attached to our excitement, failing to see the negative side, the part that leaves traces. So when we experience excitement after excitement, we will leave a big pile of traces, a kind of emotional pollution. But when we, when we return to a ready mind, when our excitement quiets down and diminishes, we can see the big pile that we've created. I think few people are interested in cleaning up their pile. They're interested only in having more excitement. And this kind of attitude creates many problems. But perhaps the most important aspect of our practice is that Zen students do not mind cleaning up their pile. They are rather happy to do it. Because they know then they are not sacrificing their life to something called excitement. Artists and good workers know their medium. Then they are able to create something. We are all artists and we are all good workers and our medium is the big mind. When we do something from the standpoint of big mind, we know how to start from scratch and we appreciate what Suzuki Roshi was trying to tell us. Thank you. So does anyone does anyone have a question or comment? Hi, Anna. Hi, Les. Thank you for your talk. Um, something popped in my mind when you said cleaning up our piles. Sometimes I think we have a tendency to want to help other people clean their piles, thinking it will help with our own. Could you say a little bit about that nature? That's a, a profound observation. Hmm. That's a very good point. Well, when we start from scratch, we start with ourselves. And when we understand ourselves, 
we know that it's vital that we clean up our own pile or not not create our own pile. And we should be very cautious about thinking we know how to help people clean up their pile. Of course, sometimes people need our help. And quite often, they may not even say so. So how we help is very important. And if we do feel that we see something in another person where we might be able to help, we don't just come right out and give advice. We first develop a trusting relationship. And we choose our words and actions very carefully and rely on what's called skillful means to be helpful. I remember a talk uh, Suzuki Roshi once gave about the three Buddhas. The first Buddha is the, the Nirmanakaya Buddha, the Buddha who appears in flesh and blood in the everyday world. And then there is the Sambhogakaya Buddha. He said the Nirmanakaya, Nirmanakaya, Nirmanakaya Buddha can offer what he called handy help you know, just in the everyday world, helping with something. The Sambhogakaya Buddha helps from a different standpoint. From seeing the person in front of us in a very large sense, in a universal sense. So the question that you raise, Anna, that can be a basis for a three-day workshop <laughs> because it is so fundamental to the teachings and the practice and the wisdom of all the patriarchs who have gone before. Thank you for bringing it up. Oh, I, I, I can't, I can't exactly see. Is it? Is it Lee? Yes, it is. Oh, okay. Hi, Lee. Remodeling work done in our home. And so we have had to clean up everything. Um, and the biggest obstacle that we've been facing are our accumulations of books. And when you're going through and you know you have to downsize, you have to let some things go, you know, you're going through books and, and you see this book, oh, I was going to read this 
you know, 10 years ago, I, I was so excited by the topic of this book, and I've never gotten to it. And we, we're, we get so distracted by, you know, wanting to find something new and helpful, and then we, we kind of, we let it fall by the wayside. But in a sense, the, the work that we do in our everyday life is so much more helpful than just reading about a concept mm. in a book. Mm. So, you know, you can really kind of forgive yourself because you say, yes, well, I was living life too much to have the time to read this book, but in living life, I learned a lot too. So it, it's just this strange uh, confrontation that you have with all of your, the aspirations that you've had to, oh, delve into this topic or learn more about mm. that and understand something, you know, something else. But at the same time, I just, I feel able to let go of those books when I have to because I feel that I've gained so, so much from just living life that, you know, it's just, you know, it isn't, I don't feel that it's so essential to me to find all of my wisdom in books. So I just wanted to, that what you were talking about really made me confront that. Well, the, the printing press was a great invention. It allowed us, it allowed humans to uh, print books so that many people could share thoughts and uh, truths and wisdom. And so we would say th these books, books are the printing press and the books, a great vehicle, great invention to help create wisdom. That's the plus side. The minus side is we can get caught up in all these books and forget <laughs> forget the life we're living, like like you point out. So keep living. Keep keep living. <laughs> keep your focus on we should keep our focus on what we're doing, how we're doing, who the people we're doing it with, and keep the book reading. Off to the side a little bit. Don't don't throw it away entirely. It's good to read books. It's good to discover new ideas. But our main emphasis is practicing with each other. Thank you. Hi, Les. Thank you so much for your talk. Um, I, I certainly resonate very much with this idea that we have to be careful about belief systems, about clinging to them too tightly. And, and uh, in, in fact, a lot of the trouble in the world today seems to stem from people not just clinging to their ideas, but seeing their ideas, their belief systems as the definition of themselves. So if they, they feel that if they were to give up a belief or give up their belief system, that they would be giving up themselves and losing themselves. It sounds an awful lot like small mind. Yeah. <laughs> and 
I'm wondering if there's a subtle distinction there or if really our belief systems, particularly our beliefs about ourselves and the beliefs that we identify with, are really just sort of another way of talking about small mind. Can you, can you say that last part again? I just wonder if our belief systems, these belief systems that we have such a tendency to cling to and identify with, we see them as a definition of ourselves, is that really just another way of talking about small mind, or is there a subtle distinction between small mind and our belief systems? I don't, I don't think the distinction is subtle. You know, when people have their own firmly held belief system, they will go to war with people who hold a different belief system. And that's been the problem of humanity for millennia, I think. And it's, I think, the cause of the problems we see in the world today, belief systems colliding and people taking extravagant measures to try to defend their own belief system and creating a lot of suffering. And it is the small mind that doesn't understand how the suffering is being created. Um, when I started, when I became involved in the practice and I started to understand it a little bit, a little bit, I came to see that it's absolutely necessary to believe in nothing so that we don't create suffering and that we enter each moment, each activity and each meeting with another person. We have to start from scratch with an open mind and an accepting mind and a mind that doesn't judge. And in, after reading a couple of Zen books, I realized, oh, it doesn't require us to believe anything, this, this practice. How refreshing, how freeing. And um, so I was hooked. Thank you. Thank you, Les. Hi, Brenda. Uh, hi. Uh, hi, Les. Hi. Um, so um, sometimes, you know, we are trying to do something um, and maybe have something in mind. 
uh, to do that might be of help or, or not of help. That, But the outcome of that, what started out as an intention, might come out different than we thought and, you know, have a, you know, have a negative impact of some kind um, on either ourselves or, or those around us, um, create a big pile. <laughs> um, what, what do you recommend uh, at that point? It's pretty hard to avoid uh, making mistakes and creating a pile. When we realized, when we re come to realize that we made a mistake and created more, more of a problem or perhaps even created some suffering, we have to consider What's the most creative way of removing that pile? We may fail bad when we realize, oh, we made a bad mistake and it created difficulties. But then we should at some point stop being remorseful about it and turn our attention to a creative way of making something good come of it. So it requires having confidence in ourselves that we can turn it around and do something creative. We have to have the confidence in ourselves. Well, a few weeks ago, I was talking to a friend who said that some years ago, he and his wife were having trouble in their marriage. So they went to see a therapist um, who helped them explore what was going on. And he said, the therapist told them, you have a really good marriage. At the moment, both of them didn't think so. <laughs> the therapist said, you have a really good marriage. There's just a few things you have to clear up. She was saying, <clears throat> if you look at yourself carefully <clears throat> and find confidence in yourself, you will realize that you can make this work. You have the basis to make this work. So let's go ahead together and discuss how we can clear up a few minor details. She, uh, he told me he <clears throat> thanks that therapist for saving his marriage in the way that she helped them recognize <clears throat> their inherent value and their in and their, the beauty of their inherent of their relationship when they thought all was lost 
she helped them see with some kind of clarity that they had something. They had a, a relationship that was very worthwhile saving. And I think that's the kind of things we can say to ourselves when we become upset when we realize we made a big mistake. We have to say to ourselves, I did it. I feel sorry about it. But I'm going to go ahead and fix it. And I know I can do it. I think our practice helps us develop confidence in our inherent self, in our true nature. Thank you. This talk was brought to you by the Canando Zen Meditation Center in Mountain View, California. For more information or to support this podcast, go to canando.org. That's K-A-N-N-O-N-D-O dot O-R-G.